You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. I gathered together five of my friends who work in some capacity covering the Sacramento Kings. A two-part roundtable discussion mainly on the decision to keep Luke Walton as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, but we do talk more including moves that we believe Monty McNair has to make this offseason and overall expectations for next season. The next two days, you are going to enjoy some fantastic conversation, a lot of different perspective, people you'll agree with, people you'll disagree with. It's all right here for you on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. I have no time to waste. Loved doing this hour-long conversation with these fantastic people who I have the privilege of knowing because of my affiliation with the Sacramento Kings organization. So without further ado, enjoy part one of this Sacramento Kings roundtable. Hi, I'm Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast, and I am so excited today to be joined by a roundtable of Sacramento media personalities, names, voices you should know very well. And the good news is, even though it's the offseason and for the 15th straight season, we won't be having playoff basketball to watch, at least from a Sacramento Kings standpoint, the Kings have given us stuff to talk about right away with the decision to uh, bring Luke Walton back. He was under contract for another couple of years, and we know he will remain. So that's one major offseason question answered. So with me on this roundtable is the host of the Kings Pulse podcast, Brendan Nunez. Jill Adge, who is uh, a co-host with Damian Barling on Hoopball's Kings podcast, as well as a very active fan on social media. Uh, you have Tim Maxwell, also known as Tacktown Baby Giraffe from the Kings Herald. Franklin Cardicelli from Sports 1140 KHDK, Sacramento Kings writer and also uh, host of the Return of the Roar podcast. And then finally, the KC and D-Lo and KC, the radio show on ESPN 1320. Kenny Carraway joining me. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me for this roundtable conversation. I'm expecting uh, a lot of back and forth. I'm expecting it to to go everywhere. There's not too much of a plan for it, but I will start everything out by just getting a, a feel for how you feel. And some of you, I'm already aware of how you feel about the decision to uh, to bring Luke Walton back. Uh, but Jill, why don't we start with you, your overall opinion, and I guess how surprised you were by how quickly Monty McNair and the Kings made this decision and commitment to Luke Walton. Well, for anyone that follows me, um, I've been saying for a while that I've been preparing for it for a while that I was expecting it. Uh, just, I know in the articles, you know, that they laid out with the money issues and things like that. Um, but I also know the history of this place and 
the average tenure for an MBA coach at this point, um, that if they weren't gonna fire everybody, you know, last year, essentially as one, that this was gonna be a possibility. Uh, we never heard anything negative come out, you know, it, at least publicly when they were going through the losing streaks and things like that. So I thought that was pretty telling because any other season when, when we've lost like that, it's nobody shy to start throwing out um, hit pieces essentially, right? Like about, about personnel here. So um, I was actually impressed by that this year, even though that's a low bar. Um, I thought that showed improvement, right? That we weren't throwing people under the bus uh, midway through the season, regardless of the wins and losses. Um, and then knowing, you know, what that you still have to sell this place, right? That yes, you know, Monty took the job last year and, you know, my perception of Luke Walton is not necessarily the perception of the players or fellow coaches and GMs around the league, you know, either that just because fans don't like the guy I don't know that other GMs or that other, you know, other coaches don't have respect for a guy that's been in the league as long as he has and has been around. Yes, he hasn't totally shown it, but there's plenty of other coaches that, you know, are working in the league right now that haven't shown it either. So, um, I, again, I'm not surprised. Um, do I think there were people out there that in my opinion are better? Yes. But again, it doesn't really matter to me. Monty made his decision he has locked himself into this. Um, so now it's up to bring the talent, right? Because we saw what this talent can do with this staff. I know you're going to get an off season for the first time. You're going to get a training camp for the first time. Um, you know, you're going to get player development during the off season and a summer league for a lot of these guys for the first time, because Rico Hines made that very clear. Um, and his talks is that, you know, guys went three months and then were thrown into the bubble without picking up a basketball, essentially. And um, so you're going to get a lot of that work at this point. He has two strong X and O assistants, so there's no excuse there. Um, now just go get the talent and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, for me, it was that, um, I mean, the defense was horrible this season, and I do credit a lot of that to this switch everything mainly switch everything scheme that Walton had going on and then the offensive success where they ranked 12th there I, I do kind of point it towards Fox's development there and and I do think that Walton implemented a very freelance offense where there's a lot of freedom and, and players get to recognize where their opportunities are and it made the high IQ guys really shine and the low IQ guys um really struggle at times. And I think the Kings definitely have players that qualify for both sides there. Um, so I, I just don't see all too many positives for the Walton move. I, I really thought that one of the major improvements this off season was going to be um, letting go of Walton and moving on to one of the, I, I feel like there's a handful of candidates that I would prefer over Walton personally. And um, yeah, the, the whole players backing him and everything honestly doesn't mean that too much to me. Because when media is asking you a lot of questions about your coach, I think typically, um, and there are situations where like you heard the Malcolm Brogdon thing, I think it was today or yesterday, when he's asked about his updated uh, feelings about the coach going on in Indiana, he just decided to not comment on it. So it's not anything like that. But I, I don't think that 
you know, publicly backing your coach. Like we've seen Giannis do with Jason Kidd. We saw Steph do with Mark Jackson. We saw Kat do with Ryan Saunders. Um, that, that just doesn't mean that much to me when it comes to if you are a quality coach. And I, I really did think that one of the major improvements for this franchise going into next season was going to have to be a coaching upgrade. Um, and so my main thing is I'm pretty disappointed um, and surprised that, that the news dropped so quickly. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brands that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts as a chain store or new car dealership. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based off of what the market will bear like airlines do for example. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I know absolutely nothing about cars. I've been recently going through some car trouble needed to replace the part. The dealership was going to charge me way too much for it. I went onto RockAuto.com. I got the part for $75 cheaper than what the dealership was asking for, not to mention the labor prices. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com I'm I'm kind of bouncing off that. I'm appreciative that the news dropped quickly. Like I'm glad we didn't drop dr- drag this thing out for weeks on end. It's clear that Monty McNair has bought into Luke Walton from almost the start. Um, I don't think a lot of us expected that to happen. As far as my reaction goes to the actual news, um, anyone that follows me or has, has read me knows I'm like a numbers stats guy, right? And so something I was thinking about today was two areas of stats that are that I don't have statistics for. But um, number one, I asked myself, what are the percentage chances that Luke Walton is better than who we could have gotten? Now, we don't know who we would have hired, right? So it's part of the difficulty in this question. But what are the percentage chances he's better? He's had a half decade in the NBA as a head coach, and he averages 33 wins and 49 losses a year. He's responsible over the last five years in the NBA that he's been a head coach. He's responsible for 40% of the worst defenses in the league, two of the five years. And you can just kind of go down the line. I don't, I don't need to throw the guy to the bus with a bunch of stats, but I mean, he just hasn't found success yet. That doesn't mean he cannot find success. I'm not saying that, but he hasn't yet found success. So I, I, I measure that up. Okay, so what are the percentage chances he's better than Sam Cassell or David Vanderpool or Terry Stotts or whoever, right? Whoever we can name. Jill can name far more names than I can. And I, I weigh that then against another option, which is how often have, when the Kings have bucked the trend under Vivek Ranadive, and I think we can all accept the fact that keeping Luke is bucking the trend, right? Like if you, if you observe the national media and analysts, no one was like, oh yeah, they should keep Luke Walton. Almost everyone was either slightly negative to 
extremely negative about this decision. And when I, when I look at the decisions that have made under Vivek that have bucked the normalcy trend, and I say, how many of those have worked out? The answer is zero, right? And you go back in King's history and you say, and this was a good discussion we had among some of the King's Herald guys the other day. You go back in King's history, when's the last time they bucked the trend and it really worked out? And it's probably the Peja draft, right? Like that was the big gamble. And so again, that doesn't mean this decision cannot work out, right? The past doesn't necessarily determine the future. But when I look at the paths we had available to us, which was really, I wouldn't say any coach or any assistant coach, but there are only 30 of these jobs in the NBA and the Kings have hired quality guys before, right? Luke Walton was considered a semi-quality candidate when he came to Sacramento. You know, other coaches were interested in the job when he interviewed. Obviously, we hired Dave Yeager. We hired Mike Malone. Heck, we hired George Carl, right? I mean, he's an NBA legend. And so I, I just look at the pool of candidates that were available. And I looked at, I look at the King's decision-making history. And I just, again, ask myself, what are the percentage chances that this time we got it right, this time we bucked the trend and it's going to work out. And this year, after five years of failure, Luke Walton will find success. Can it happen? Absolutely. So I'm not saying the chances are zero. I just think the chances of the other path are much higher. And that's where my frustrations lie is when for 15 years, the fan base has been looking at the team going, please stop doing this thing. And they keep doing that thing. Eventually you run out of patience. Again, the Kings could be right. And I, I just want to put this out there for Brandon, for myself, for anyone else that is doubting this decision, we want to be proven wrong, right? We want, we next off season, I want to go, dude, anyone who was for Walton, man, I'm an idiot, right? Like, like the opposite of Dwayne Dedman, right? Like, oh man, like that really worked out and I didn't think it would work out. I hope that happens because we all just want the Kings to win, but I don't think Luke Walton gives them a better chance of winning than many other coaches. Yeah, I'm, I'm on an island, it seems like, by myself here and not only in this chat, but in this entire city where, um, well, look, the island is actually interesting because I don't think I ever really said I wanted Luke Walton to stay I just wasn't as passionate as everybody else about getting rid of him. Um, and I, I guess to get off the fence, like Damien would ask me like, uh, yes or no. And I would say, yeah, uh, bring him back. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, I'm a big players guy, right? I'm a big, um, it's about the roster. I think at the end of the day, that's really, it, it doesn't matter who who's coaching the team. in so some respect, and that doesn't say, that doesn't mean coaching doesn't matter because it does. There's special coaches that can bring a lot out of players. But at the end of the day, you need the roster to compete on a high level. And I was doing research on, on some of these other coaches that people have brought up and that they've talked about. Um, you look at somebody like Monty Williams. And, and, and Monty Williams, I think, is a really good coach. Uh, you go back to his time in New Orleans. He started off 46 and 36. I think he might have had Chris Paul that year. I'm not sure. It, 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 I could be wrong. But when the roster changed, I mean, he had – three pretty subpar seasons. Well, he had a, a 21 and 45 record, 27 and 55 record, 34 and 48 record. He gets to Phoenix. His first year there was suspect. Nobody in America, in this world, thought they should have been in a bubble uh, because they weren't any good before that. Um, he goes into the bubble and does some good things. I think Monty's a good coach. You know what I'm saying? His record, those record, those past records aren't indicative of whether or not he's a good coach. Um, Kenny Atkinson is another guy. People really talk about him. He struggled in Brooklyn before he got a, a certain number of guys in there that fit what he was trying to do and believed in his system. People talk about Tom Thibodeau. He's a much better coach, in my opinion, 
than Luke Walton. He, he's a really good bona fide coach. Um, he did a great job with the with the Knicks. His first year in Minnesota, he won 31 games. You know what I mean? And then they got Jimmy Butler. They got to the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. And then the following year, they didn't make the playoffs. And I think he was fired by then. So my whole thing about this whole thing with Luke Walton is I don't think the roster at the beginning of the season was good enough to compete. I, at the beginning of the season, I, I thought they were, you know, around a 33, 34 win team. And I thought that'd be enough for the play in um, with the roster that they had. They end up getting some more parts at the trade deadline. If they have that roster from the start, I think they're at the very least into the play-in situation. Um, but more than anything, him coming back from it, maybe I, I wasn't I wasn't too caught up into it because it doesn't change anything. Whoever whoever was here, whether it was Luke or they went and got a, a Sam Cassell or Vanderpool or whoever it was, next year they need to be in the playoffs. So Luke ain't if they don't make the playoffs, he's fired next year. So it's it's no. It don't change nothing for me. You know, the Monty's got to go in there and improve this roster. And I think you saw in the exit interviews, Monty kind of feels the heat. He feels the urgency that's going on around this fan base is you have to improve the roster and they have to get into the playoffs next year, no matter who it is. I don't care if it's Luke or, or my grandmother coaching. They better make the playoffs. And that's, that's kind of how I feel. So him coming back doesn't really change how I approach uh, what this team needs to do next year. Yeah, and I mean, you guys are all hitting it right on the head. And it's something I kind of noticed with Monty when he talked uh, today this morning, just that that attitude of, oh, maybe the gap year, maybe um, things kind of taking some time to progress. That wasn't even a topic of discussion at all today. It, it was said from Monty that he sat down with Luke and they talked about, hey, like we need to go to the playoffs and I think we can do it together. And uh, it's good that they have faith in him. It's good the players have faith in him, the front office. That's nice. And I know on the fan side of it, of course, I don't think it's that 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 far sighted uh, people support him. So uh, my take on it was I wasn't surprised. Uh, I knew it was going to happen. Was I happy with it? I, I'm I'm pretty neutral. I mean, over the last 15 years, I I I was 11 when this playoff drought started. It I've grown to be okay with things that make me upset. Uh, it, it's a great move if it works out. Like Kenny said, there there are coaches that have come back and and come from 31, 25, 27 win seasons and, and made a name for themselves, the franchise, and people will remember him forever as a positive thing. And then there are situations where we fire him at the all-star break and it was a monumental mistake and uh, that's going to fall around Monty. And he knows it, he's going to own it, and he's shown his cards. And that's just kind of the thing that I think Kings fans are waiting for for most of the season was, what is he about? We didn't see much of, a, of an offseason last year because there was literally a I think it was four weeks from free agency to the first preseason game. Um, I know Luke had to go to India last year and, and they didn't have much of a training camp. So, I mean, those are excuses, of course, but um, next year there's none. It'll probably be 82 games. There's going to be a full training camp. Uh, Monty will have a full off season to, to build the roster that he wants. And uh, yeah, I mean, all bets are off at this point. This is what it is. Uh, Luke and Monty have to, they have to get this thing right. They have to go to the playoffs or otherwise it's a mistake. No question about it. 
Today's Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Did you make any money on these NBA play-in games? Some of them were pretty easy bets, but maybe you cashed in on that fun game between the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors last night. Or if you don't bet on basketball, baseball season's in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting leads, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch or tip-off, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams enter the NBA playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And if you're looking for a way to spend some of that money that you made on betonline.ag, buy yourself a box of Built Bars. Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar ever. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate. They have nine delicious main flavors plus occasional limited time flavors that come and then sell out immediately. Their nine flavors are coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. I swear by the mint brownie bar it is my favorite out of the nine but all nine are delicious and i'm a picky eater so that means something when i say it if you haven't tried all the flavors you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein only 130 calories only four grams of sugar and only four grams of net carbs go to builtbar.com use promo code locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 all one word you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com I will say, because I think it was Tim, you brought up how he's had, you know, two of the worst, you know, defensive ratings, right, um, in the league as a coach in two of his years. And it was his um, first year on the job with the Lakers that he actually had that worst defensive rating. And I think that was the first year that core, or at least part of that core was there. And then the second year, he brought him all the way up to 13. My hope is that with this assistant staff right because we're assuming they implemented a new defensive scheme bringing in rex and you know gentry on offensive there is that in this year three we had a just outside the top 10 offense that if you can get that kind of jump from the defense now in your next year um again like you said none of this will matter right and i don't my biggest question mark for him is i don't feel like i've ever really seen a third year from him being that his third year with the Lakers after they made that jump was they got LeBron. Yes. Um, when he was healthy, they were in the number four spot. As soon as he went down, they lost, they only had him for like 40 games. Um, he went down and then you saw the whole, they went for a month of all those young guys trying to figure out if they were going to be traded or not. Like there was never just a regular third season where I think, maybe that would have been a better way for me to tell like, okay, did he make those jumps year one to year two to year three? Um, Because we saw him make that jump from year one to year two with that young group in LA and that brought LeBron there. Right. And then eventually Anthony Davis, but I never saw a true year three without the LA drama. So for me, this is going to be a huge year for him to prove, Hey, can I make these leaps in a year three 
with the team that people aren't necessarily expecting me to be able to do that with. So not just for, you know, the Kings, but to me, this is going to be a big part of his coaching career going forward that um, I would hope, like Adelman says that, you know, with, with um, consistency and continuity, these players and this coaching staff can figure out their style together and how to make that work. So at this point, um, I can only hope in year three that as a group, they all threw their chips in, right. That, that they can figure it out and, and fit that, find that style together. Because at the end of the day, we all want to eat crow. We all want to win. Like that's at this, I could care less who's there. Um, after 15 years, I just want to see it work for once. And Gio, uh, his head coaching career is on the line. Let's just say what it is. If if he doesn't get it right this year and doesn't show significant improvement with his team and get him to the postseason, I don't think he ever finds another head coaching job again, at least not in the NBA. So his sense of urgency is going to have to be there as well. And a lot of these guys um, who are going to be here, what they're going to be in this league may be on the line this year. You know, a lot of contracts on the line. So I think there needs to be, there is going to be a sense of urgency all throughout that building in the front office and in the court. And I think, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think they need to start feeling some heat one way or another. To your point, Jill, too, about Walton's third year in Los Angeles, I could make the argument too. Now, I, I think it's important to make the argument without making the excuse. There's a, the, the fine line between the two, but there is a difference. Walton hasn't had two normal years here in Sacramento with uh, the COVID shutdown last year and then the COVID effect this year. Now, the thing is, everybody's dealt with that too. So it's not like Walton is dealing with this and the other 29 coaches in the NBA aren't. So again, not an excuse, but I think a, a fair argument to make. And then to your point, Kenny, I think Walton did a great job in his, I guess you could call it exit interview with the media yesterday in saying, look, the goal is clear. It's make the playoffs. Walton's put that upon himself. McNair also did to some extent, but Walton was the one who said clearly, look, this is the goal, making the playoffs. That is what we have to do. And our work has to start today. It has to start this offseason. We can't wait for next season to start or we're going to fall into the same hole. Walton is inviting. He set the bar. He set the precedent. And now, like you said, Kenny, it's very clear. If you reach that, you keep your job. If you don't, you lose your job. And I think Walton is aware of that. I think McNair is aware of that. The good news is you didn't have to negotiate a new contract. You're still paying the one that Vladi negotiated. But uh, I think, Jill, I saw you uh, say something about this on social media. A number of you said this on social media. Now, this is no longer Monty's excuse, right? Walton is now basically Monty's hire. I, I can dismiss it from this point on Vlade Divac's hiring Luke Walton. At this point, McNair might as well have hired Walton. McNair is committed to him. So everything that Walton does from here on out is on McNair's plate and on his resume, just as much as it's on Vlade's in my opinion. Uh, but what to open up the discussion really, and whoever wants to jump in, jump in. The thing that stood out to me in the opening statements from Monty McNair in his press conference, he said when officially announcing that Luke Walton is coming back, he brought up three things. He brought up the players supporting Walton, which none of us were surprised by. He brought up the relationship that he and Walton have developed between the two of them, which is, of course, important. And then the third thing he brought up is something that 
I think is extremely important that Rick Adelman talked a little bit about on your show, Kenny, which is stability and continuity. Uh, McNair brought that up on his own without being asked. And I'm glad he brought that up because you look at the last 15 seasons and how many head coaches, Luke Walton is head coach number 10. So even I I don't base my decision on that, which uh, is a point many Kings fans made on social media. You don't just say, well, the Kings have been so bad at hiring coaches in the past that you just keep the devil, you know, I totally understand that argument, but at the same time, I don't want De'Aaron Fox playing for his third coach. I don't want Marvin Bagley playing for his third coach. I don't want Tyrese Halliburton playing for his second coaches in as many years. I like the idea of some stability, some continuity, and giving Walton the opportunity to see what he can do in three full years or full seasons, I guess, uh, in Sacramento. So out of the three, that's the one that stood out the most to me. Did any of the three stand out to any of you? And feel free to, to take it where you will. To me, like, I think you could make those three arguments for any coach in the league, mm-hmm. even the, the bottom tier coaches, it just, which is where I struggle. And I, I do think Luke kind of qualifies for that. Um, I, I mean, I think that, you know, if your argument is like, I just want to keep them around for the sake of continuity, then I struggle there because I, I don't think that that should be one of the primary reasons that you're keeping someone around. Um, and, and I like as a fan and just sports in general, always appreciate defense more than offense. So maybe this is where Luke loses me a little bit um, because the defense obviously has been horrific. But to me, where I struggle is that I just don't think that Luke has done anything to optimize players with clear weaknesses. I think that he has his specific scheme and it's either the players fit to that or they don't. And that's where he loses me a little bit because I think you need to make adjustments to work around the personnel that you have, even if it maybe wasn't quite enough at the beginning of this year. Um, So I get a little lost on those three arguments because I think that you really could make them for most people in the league outside of the, the players like him. And I I do think that's important. You know, that was the main issue with Jaeger Um, players and front office had issues with Jaeger is what it seemed like. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't, those three arguments to me are, don't have anything to do with the actual product on court. And that's where I struggle a little bit with that. Nah, Brent, uh, heartbreak kid. That's what I call him. The heartbreak kid. I, I, I definitely agree with you in that respect. And when we talked to, um, Rick Adelman earlier today, he said a couple of things that, uh, stood out to me. I asked him about his time with Jason Williams and Jason Williams would do some things where he's like, that's not smart. And I know for a fact, that's not how he was brought up playing basketball, but it worked and it worked for that group. It worked for that player. So he let it ride and he, and he got the most out of that. Then he talked about later, um, he had Yao Ming and he said, we weren't able to run nearly as much as I want to run and how I like to go about basketball. But the best thing for this team was having a guy that's seven, six on the block. That's going to give us our best chance to win. So that's where Walton, um, needs to improve schematically. I mean, there's certain things that need to improve, but even his approach to this particular team, he talked earlier in the year about, you know, Lou Olson and Phil Jackson, they weren't fiery guys and all this other stuff. Uh, but at the same time, if your team that you have needs that, you need to get out of that. You need to get out of that Phil Jackson mode and that Lou Olson mode and give this team what they need to be successful that's something he's got to learn and he, he's got to take care of uh, starting immediately. 
to be honest. It, it is important that the players, I wouldn't say like the coach, but that the players support the coach, right? And so that that is one thing that Luke has gotten the players to buy into. Um, e- even when Monty talked about like a good working relationship between the front office and the coaching staff, um, you know, we didn't necessarily see that with Jaeger. We also didn't necessarily see that with Mike Malone. Now, the Mike Malone situation was more on the front office's like that's their fault, not Mike Malone's fault, but neither of those guys were necessarily super easy to work with. And it seems like Lou Walton's a, a, a nice friendly guy that you can work with to a certain extent. Um, but as Brendan referred to, you know, and, and even Kenny referred to the results on court are what matter, right? So um, I think we're all in agreement that wins cover a lot of sins, right? Like you can have a coach come in and, um, just the players don't love him, but they work hard for him, right? We all have had bosses probably were like, he's not my favorite man or woman in the world, but they push me and they make me better. And that's what we need to find. Now, Luke can develop into that coach again. Luke Luke can get better. And I think sometimes we, personally, I get stuck on this concept of like, this is who Luke Walton is, but just like a player, just like anyone else in life, he can grow and get better. And hopefully he does so. But um, the players liking him is a benefit, but the on-court performance is all that matters, especially this season. We all know what playoffs are bust. As far as stability goes, um, continuity was the same argument that kept Vladi Divac around for too long, to be honest with you. It's kept a lot of other unqualified people around in other organizations, not just the Kings. So I understand the argument for stability. If you think Luke could be the guy, I guess I understand the argument for it. Um, but I, I hope that next season, if things are not going well, we are relatively quick to cut ties if we need to. I'm not saying 10 games into the season, but we, we need to have a short leash for Luke because... Um, he hasn't proven himself yet. So hopefully he proves himself. And if not, we can move on quickly. I got to stop it there. I know I'm sorry. There's still so much conversation for you to hear. And I know you want to listen to it right now. I'm saving it for part two, which will air on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation so far. It gets even better. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Big thank you to all five of my great guests for this Locked on Kings, Sacramento Kings roundtable. I look forward to doing these more in the future. Again, part two, releasing on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast. The conversation gets even better. Plenty more about Luke Walton and the importance of this offseason, plus expectations for next season. You're going to want to join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings. Your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.